It's time now for the teachings of Pastor J.E. Sturdivant of Faith United Ministries. Tune in now as we look into the Word of God with eyes of faith. Now, here's Pastor J.E. Sturdivant. so that we can all see it together when I get to verse 10 and I redo it. Malachi 3, beginning at verse number 7. If you got it, say, I've got it. If you don't have it, share with someone or look on the screen. We got it for you. Um, It says, yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Verse 8, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Did you all see that? I want to now look at verse number 10 in the NIV translation. And I want us to look at this and see what it says. Watch this. It says, bring the whole tithe, help me, into the, that there may be food where? He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not do what? Uh huh. Right. He says, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I want to talk to you for just a few moments today. I want to talk about unlocking the gates. Tell two or three people near you, I've got to unlock the gates. I said two or three people. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, the truth is established. Tell them, I've got to unlock the gates. Now take one hand, put it on your own bosom and say, hey, 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 hey. Self, if the floodgates are locked, I got to use my key. Go and tell somebody, I got to use my key. Tell them, I got to use. Now, one more time, say, self, if the floodgates are locked, the key is in your hand. Spirit of the living God, I thank you now for what I sense you're going to do. Please have your way in this place. God, you have always said, let those who have ears to hear Let them hear what the Spirit is saying. I pray, Lord God, that you would touch our ears. Go past the facility ear 
and go down into the area of our being that is our spiritual ear that we will hear you and be challenged and changed. My Father and my God, everything that you have said we can have, we want it today. We don't want to be denied. We don't want to miss anything. So I pray, my Father and my God, for anyone who is here who may be unsaved, unchurched, backslidden, wayward, uncommitted, undecided, haltering between two opinions, not sure what they should do. I pray, Lord God, that you would let this be a day that they make a definitive decision, that they say, I'm going to do what God says. I ask you for it now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Devil, you've lost another one because we're more than conquerors in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. And amen. Go to your seat saying, I must unlock the gates. I must. Oh, yeah. Test me in this. See if I will not throw open to you the floodgates of heaven and pour out for you such blessing, there will not be room enough, enough room to contain it receive it. Unlocking the gates. Father, you must help me now because I sure do need you, but more than that, I help your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, there's no question that the Almighty God desires for you and I to have more than an average existence. Any born-again believer, any baptized, blood-bought, blood-washed child of God, you should not be happy just to be average. And you definitely should not be satisfied with being under any circumstances. The Bible says that the Almighty God wants us to live an abundant life. Here's what he says in John chapter number 10, verse 10. John 10, verse 10. It says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. He says, but I have come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. You can leave them on the screen a little bit longer. Thank you, Lord. So further, everything that his kingdom holds, everything that his kingdom contains, he tells us that we should request what his kingdom has to be released to us. Did you hear what I just said? He tells us that we should request what his kingdom has to be released to us. Here's what he says in Matthew chapter number 6, verse 10. Matthew 6, verse 10. He had told us when we pray that we should pray saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He said in verse 10, Your kingdom come. Come, your will be done. So he says, request for the kingdom to be received by us on earth. So for you to settle for being average or below the level or under the circumstance, that's not the kingdom desire or agenda for your life. Tell somebody near you, I want the kingdom. I want the kingdom. And not only does he tell you to request it when you pray, he says it's his pleasure to give it to you. 
He says, I want you to have the kingdom. That's what he says in Luke chapter number 12, verse 32. Luke chapter number 12, verse 32. He says, do not fear, little flock. He says, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's Luke 12, 32. He says, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So tell somebody near you, if that's what God wants for me, that's what I want. So we are told that heaven is so well established and so wondrously flourishing until every one of us, look at someone and say, this means you. Every one of us, despite the measure or the level of our individual need, heaven is so wondrously established and so flourishing until every one of us individually could bring all of our major needs together, stack them in a group, bring everybody that we know who has any indebtedness, bring it together, put it in a stack, give it to God, And God says, I can settle every one of them that none of you will ever lack. Wait a minute, he says, and I won't even miss it. Come on. Here's what the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. Philippians 4, verse 19. It says, and my God shall supply all your need Philippians 4:19 My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus That means that there is absolutely no need that you have individually or corporately that God cannot supply By his riches. So whatever figure you're thinking that you have to come up with. Or the level or measure of your indebtedness. God says in heaven. Behind my gates. I've got just what you need. Please touch somebody near you and say heaven can handle your situation. Uh, I was talking with the almighty God and somewhere around 5.30 this morning, here's what he asked me to tell someone. He says, as you apply the principle of this teaching today to your life, he says, the almighty God will supply all of your need in Jesus' mighty name. That may not be for everybody, but if it's you, you shout the loudest hallelujah. Now, my brothers and my sisters, since it has been decreed that the floodgates of heaven have been opened to us, since that's the prophecy that was spoken over us from the holy altar of Nigeria, since that is what we fasted for at the beginning of the year, and we watched and heard, and then we testified that what God had spoken by the prophet had taken place. Since that's what is happening in our lives, The truth of the matter is there are no more blockages. There are no more encumbrances. The brakes are off. Overflow has been released. 
there is absolutely nothing that you have need of that heaven has not released to you. Let me tell you that God does not have to go back into the workshop of glory in order to make anything. He created everything that you and I would need within six days and rested on the seventh. So the matter is not a question of whether or not it's available. The question is, if the gates have been open, um, is it locked to me? I need to find out very quickly, and I'm trying to wonder to figure out, um, why is it that if there are no encumbrances, no blockages, and the brakes are off, I wonder what is hindering some of us from experiencing the deluge. Um, a deluge, D-E-L-U-G-E. A deluge is defined as a great flood of water to be inundated. It's a drenching rain. It is a downpour. It is anything that overwhelms. If the floodgates have been opened, I'm wondering why we're not drenched with the blessing. Why we are not being flooded with the outpour. Why is it that we are not having this inundation of blessings that heaven has for us? Why does it seem that the gate or the gates are locked? Because we do know that there are at least 12 gates in the city. Three gates in the north. You've read the book of Revelation. Three gates in the south. Three gates in the east. And three gates in the west. So my question is, if there are that many gates, available for God to open and we could get a deluge of blessing. Why uh, does it seem that some of us are going through such long dry seasons? Why is it that there seems to be a drought when it comes to us experiencing John 10, 10 having life and having it more abundantly? Why is it that so many of us are scraping? Why are we struggling? What is the difficulty that is going on? What, what's the problem? It, it seems to be closed and locked to some people. I don't know what the problem is, but I had a situation to happen uh, just the other day. Um, right after we had that huge situation, that so-called blizzard. On one of the days that I got here to make sure that we could get in to have service, I, I went to go over to the gate, and the gate was fine. The gate opened and closed. Problem was, the gate had a lock on it. Nothing wrong with the gate. Something was wrong with the lock. Problem was that the lock had frozen. To the point that my key would not get in there, cause the tumblers to turn and unlock the lock that was holding the gate shut. If I could just get the right key, I, I tried two other keys that looked like it thinking that maybe one of those was the one and that I had just forgotten which one. Found out that 
It wasn't anything wrong with the key. I'm going to stick a pin here and I'm going to run on. Um, I just had to put some heat on it. So that when I put it in the hole, it would thaw out where it was frozen. I want y'all to stick a pin right there. Tell somebody, don't forget that point. He's going to come back before we close. So I found that sometimes the problem is not with the gate. The problem is with your key. Tell somebody, my key got some problems. Here is what, here is what I'm, 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 I'm now struggling with. And here's what I saw was taking place as the Lord spoke with me early this morning. Um, he says that there's nothing wrong with the gate. He says that um, sometimes the problem with my children is that they don't have the right key. Yes, sir. Um, in our last teaching last week, we found out that there are more than one key. And last week, we found out that there is a key called doubt. And doubt will keep the heavens locked to you, even though it's opened to everyone else. You all do remember, and this is in the NIV translation, the NIV translation, 2 Kings chapter number 7, verse 2. 2 Kings chapter number 7, verse 2. You will remember that the prophet had said to the king when there was a drought and a famine in the land, that he said to him, he said that by tomorrow this time, you're going to have such an overflow until there's going to be abundance. Keep it at verse number two. There's going to be extreme abundance. And here's what the man said. It's on the screen. He said, if the Lord should open the floodgates of heaven, could this happen? In other words, he was expressing doubt to God's ability. And the prophet then said, you will indeed see it with your eyes, but you're never going to taste it. The problem is not with the ability of the gates to be open. Doubt is a key that will make it be locked to you. So there is a possibility for everybody around you to be walking around soaking wet. And yet you're going through a dry season. Because you don't believe God to the degree that it will make the tumblers fall in place. And the lock open in the gate over your life. T touch somebody and say, I need to check my keys. Tell them I need to need to check my keys and 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 why is it why is it why is it that doubt is a key because the bible says in hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 hebrews 11 verse 6 doubt will wind up being a key that will lock it to you hebrews 11 verse 6 we found out in our last teaching it says that faith my god without faith it's impossible to please him if you don't remember last week's teaching, you need to get that. It says, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There must be a consistency in your approach to God. Not on again, off again. Not sometimes and not, you know, you feel like it today, but don't feel like it next week. 
there must be a consistency because if you don't continue to open a lock, see the problem is my son has a key to the lock and, and my driver has a key to the lock and their key opens the lock with regularity. The problem is I'm not always opening the lock. So because my lock is not used frequently, the gates don't recognize me as quickly when I come. See, y'all, y'all missing it. And so I've got to fiddle and work harder than my son and my driver because I don't do what they do as often. Come on, stick a pen right there and tell them he's going to come back to that before he leaves. So then, if doubt locks the floodgate, then faith must be one of the keys that opens it. So tell somebody, you've got to use your faith if you want to open the key. So another such thing, another such thing. You want an opening key? you got to have a faith key. So another such thing that locks the floodgates of heaven to you and I and locks them against you and I is disobedience. I said number one was doubt, but number two, I just said, Disobedience. Disobedience is defined as a lack of obedience or a refusal to obey or to comply. It is a disregard of an order or a transgression. In other words, it is not that you don't know what to do. Disobedience says that I will not comply with what I know. I am not going to obey what I understand. I have no regard for the instructions. I disregard or transgress the command. Now we are disobedient anytime we go against what we know we're supposed to do. We know what we're asked to do or say that we are going to do. We are then disobedient. I'm going to say it again. We are disobedient when we know what we are supposed to do and go against it. When we do not do what we are asked to do. Or when we say that we are going to do something and then don't do it. And, and, And that's pertaining to anything. That's not just pertaining to church or the Bible. That's pertaining to anything as a child or if you were a child at one time or have a child or a grandchild or you are a parent or anyone in authority, you understand that even from childhood that when you did not do what you were told to do, there were consequences and repercussions. You, 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 you understood that as a child. You knew there were consequences and repercussions. And if you are a parent now, when you have rules for your child, grandchild, niece, or nephew to abide by, when they don't do it, there are consequences and repercussions. There are disciplines that come if they are disobedient. So now, precious friends, I want to ask you if you can understand that as a child. And you can impose those consequences and repercussions to your children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, even your spouses when they are disobedient. Why do you have a difficult time with understanding when God says he's going to discipline you when you don't obey what he tells you to do? 
See, y'all got quiet on me. I think you almost know where I'm going. And you're looking at me in a tone of voice that doesn't look like you are looking for approval. Uh, You understand it in every other area. But then when it comes to what God says, you want to change that. So that you don't have to abide by that. Yet you will beat your child. You will put them in time out and not let them go out. You will withhold from your spouse. You will make everybody pay who does not obey. Yet when God tells you to do what you know to do, what you have been asked to do, or what you have said you will do, you can't understand why he disciplines you. Are you all hearing me in here? I'm still going. Just push somebody and say, stay on with him. Stay on with him. Okay, 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 okay. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter number 1, verse 19 and 20, Isaiah 1, verse 19 and 20, here's the way it says. It says, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Are you all hearing it? You, you need to look that. It's in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. So our text today that I read in your hearing sees and hears the almighty God challenging his people from the priest on down. And, and you look at it in Malachi chapter number 1 and chapter number 2. When you get home, he is challenging everyone. He says, you all have been bringing corrupt sacrifices. Lame, partial sacrifices. Keeping the best stuff for yourself. And then in chapter 2 he says, and priests, you're guilty. Because you have been accepting the corruption that they bring. And you have compromised in order to make them feel comfortable in what they're doing. And so he says, I'm sick of the offering and I'm sick of the priests. Y'all need to go ahead and just really read the Bible. God, God ain't got no cut costs. He says, I'm sick of everybody from the head down. He says, because the head, those in authority are not setting an example to ones who are following. He says, and so I am no longer having any confidence in the ones who have the position. Because position has not made them set a pattern. And so I'm now sick from the head on down. So he now starts coming into chapter number three. And you all can read that when you get some time. And he says, I've got a problem with all of you. He says, I've got a problem. He says, in chapter number three, I'm getting ready to come. He says, because I can't trust the ones in position. And I can't trust the ones who have said that they will remember me when I bless them. He says, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to come myself. Chapter number three, read it when you get some time. He says, there is a forerunner that I'm preparing. And he's going to come as a messenger. He's going to come preparing my arrival. 
And he says in chapter number three, verse two through five of Malachi, chapter three, verse two through five, he says, when he comes and he prepares the way for me. And those of you who know a little bit of Bible know that he's talking about John the Baptist, who is preparing the way of the one. John the Baptist is a voice crying in the wilderness, preparing the way for a word that's coming from heaven. Jesus is the word made flesh. And so now the voice is getting ready to hearken and to tell everybody a word is coming. And so now what is taking place, what is taking place here is God is now sending notice saying that I'm cursing you all. He says, I'm cursing the entire land. He says, I'm cursing the entire land. He says, I've withheld rain from all of you. He says, and your crops are not going to grow and you're not going to have success in your business and nothing that you do is going to be a success. And nothing you put your hands to is going to happen right for you. He says you will get ready to have um, things being born and it'll die. He says I'm going to let everything that you try to put into action not come to pass. He says because you have forgotten about me. He says you're being punished by me. Come on. Because you've been you have forgotten about me. Y'all still with me? Hunch somebody and say stay with him. Say stay with him. He says, he says, he says, I'm coming because you have now gotten to a point where you have polluted and perverted offerings. He says, everything is jacked up. He says, you have now started getting into relationships with people that help you to stay polluted. He says, I've come to now get involved and to tell you all of the adulterers and adulteresses. He says, all of you who have gotten relationship with people who are outside of covenant relationship with me and you've compromised your walk with me in order to accommodate them. He says, I'm coming as a swift witness. In other words, he says, I'm coming quickly and I'm going to take care of things and I'm going to just clean up some stuff. He says, I've got to put some things in order. You've been listening to the Eyes of Faith broadcast, brought to you every week at this time with Pastor Jay E. Sturdivant of Faith United Ministries. Join us next week as we look again into the Word of God with Eyes of Faith.